Hello, this is the Canola Watch Podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. This is part two of a podcast on canola storage with my two guests. This is Lauren Grieger with PAMI. I'm one of the project managers for Ag Research Development out of our Portage Prairie operation. I'm Angela Brackery, agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, and I focus on storage management of canola. In part two, we talk about an ongoing study of grain drying systems. The Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute, or PAMI, is doing the research, and Lauren Grieger is part of the project team. Funding is from Team Alberta, a collaborative partnership of Alberta Canola, Alberta Barley, Alberta Pulse Growers, and Alberta Wheat Commission. Lauren and Angela think there is enough good information from year one that we should start talking about it. Lauren, do you want to just describe what the study is? Well, the study was looking at to understand what the energy consumption of grain dryers as well as in-bin systems was in Alberta. Trying to get a handle on on some of those details in terms of the overall efficiency that producers are seeing in their actual setups. Um, There has been work done previously uh, years ago looking at dryers, but there isn't a lot of information, especially on the supplemental heating systems used in bin. And we really want to understand what's the real life experience from producers when you're using this type of a setup to dry grain. One of the, the real surprising things for me when I was looking at the study was understanding the differences that many producers were seeing with their in-bin systems. There's quite a variability overall in terms of the amount of energy that went into drying with, with some producers uh, seeing uh, substantially more energy going in to try and dry the grain compared to others. And understanding that's really important for us so we can minimize costs that go into the grain drying systems on this uh, on this front. And do you think the difference was because maybe a number of factors at play, but uh, just the amount of moisture in the grain to begin with, which would obviously take more energy to remove, or was it the the setup of the bin and the system, or was it about just about the fuel used? I think that's a, that's a combination of factors that played into the differences. In terms of how the uh, heat was added, we did see a difference between systems that used indirect heat compared to a direct fired systems. That was a bit of a surprise when I looked at some of the numbers that were uh, provided. Uh, but I also believe it has to do with how the bins are configured and set up in terms of the amount of heat that was available, the fan and airflow rates that also play into how effective a system can be when it's installed in a in a grain bin. Uh, I think the other factor too is just understanding if, if the systems are controlled uh, manually what the conditions are and uh, and ways to maybe minimize uh, the heat being added to to the grain mass in order to do effective drying as efficiently as possible. What's the difference between an indirect and a direct heating system? I'm just trying to visualize that. Sure. An indirect system is where you're not having the flame uh, directly behind the fan that's going into the bin. So you're not adding the moisture from the fuel that's being used to create the heat. So an indirect system um, would have a, a, a step in between, allowing you to just put in essentially non uh, or dry, dry heat into the uh, grain bin. And we found these to be a bit more efficient in terms of the uh, the study that was done in 2019. Um, I would just say though, too, at this point, it's a one-year study, and just a note of caution with any one-year studies, uh, additional information may um, help to provide uh, greater insight into what the quantity or differences there are in terms of the efficiencies of various systems. I uh, was really excited by the data that came out of this. I, I would say that it's the most comprehensive data set of on-farm drying or conditioning that I've ever seen. 
before, and it's only the first year of three. Um, and it, it just gives such a great snapshot of what's actually happening in commercial scale on farm bin and drying setups. So we have all these theoretical best practices based on models or, you know, in a lot of cases, smaller scale, um, you know, bench scale bins. And uh, this allowed either some, some confirmation or put into question some of, some of those best practices and kind of highlighted some areas that you know, we could really use some more work to, to understand it. For instance, like Lauren had mentioned, uh, the amount of temperature added with supplemental heating systems. Just in further to what Angela had said, and, and that's been part of our gap in, in some of the work that we're providing and recommendations that we have given to producers at this point. Um, we've based it all on theoretical types of efficiencies, and this really gives us a glimpse into uh, where the theory really meets the practical, real-world application of this. And, and we definitely saw uh, results that were substantially higher than the theoretical, which helps us to identify areas where additional work is needed and also helping to uh, have the conversations with producers to help them make uh, informed decisions on, on how they're setting up and running their systems. Again, one year out of three complete, but if there are farmers looking at their on-farm setups and, and making changes between now and harvest of 2020, is there anything that you would recommend at this time? From one of the things that I saw, I think it's really important to, again, monitor and understand the grain conditions inside the bin. I think that's always um, an important aspect of grain storage, but even more so when you're looking at drying in the bin and providing the glimpse into what's happening so you can uh, make those decisions on, on how much heat you need to add and where, you're, where along you are in the process of, of drying grain so you can be as efficient as possible through the entire grain drying process. Understand the fundamentals of air's capacity to dry because there was a lot of instances or some instances in in these case studies where fans were running for a long period of time and accomplishing no drying. So it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of energy used for no benefits, really. I guess the other thing I would note, too, and it wasn't just in bin systems that were um, evaluated in 2019. There's also work done on on heated air drying systems as well and understanding what the potential um, energy consumption was in various types of dryers as installed on uh, individual sites. And I think it's very valuable to understand what that real life type of experience is. So you can gauge, understand the cost uh, to go and get into various types of systems. So I think it's really, really helpful to understand, uh, again, what, what one could expect if they're actually gonna do it themselves. Angela. One thing, uh that stuck out to me is intriguing from this data with the uh, supplemental heat case studies was uh, the efficiency of diesel. Um, I always kind of expected that propane would be a lot more energy efficient, cheaper option for, for drying. And in, in, in these, this particular case, in this one year, um, diesel was pretty cost effective. And uh, for a lot of people, it's just easier to use diesel for supplemental heat. Um, so, so that's positive. One other note I would make too about the supplemental heating systems was the amount of heat or the temperature that was added to the grain. Uh, we've always based recommendations on specific temperatures. In some cases in the study, um, producers use a slightly higher um, temperature and that was effective for them. And for us now is understanding what is the balance in between adding heat versus your airflow rate and what uh, what potential increase you could see in terms of overall efficiency from that type of a setup. Um, understanding that again, it's, it's always based on time and temperature for grain drying 
that there's any risks that may be incurred with that, but it was uh, was more efficient to go slightly higher than what is typically recommended for supplemental heating systems. So just to give numbers there, the often recommended increase is maybe 20 Celsius increase from, from the incoming air to what's what's going into the bin. Uh, is that, that is that the right number? Okay, so so can you tell me what some of the farmers were doing, or do you not want to go there quite? Well, that's a good question, actually, Jay. And typically, we're recommending uh, 20 degrees maximum of 30. And in some cases, producers were going uh, much higher than 30 degrees. Um, and we don't have information in terms of how that affected the overall grain quality, but uh, they were effective at drying at, at uh, 30 to 50 degrees Celsius. Yeah, I found that really interesting, and that was one area where I, I thought, you know, we, we need some better work on this because they they were able to effectively reduce their energy consumption by by having by using those higher temperatures. But it's a balancing act here of uh, you know not negatively impacting quality. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Lauren. For more tips on drying canola with dryers, or by adding supplemental heat to aeration systems, visit the storage sections of canolaencyclopedia.ca and canolawatch.org. Canola Watch is a research-based agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada in cooperation with the Provincial Canola Grower Associations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter.